All right. It is Wednesday, and it is the Wayne Cueto Show. And we are about to go live on Facebook. So if you are connected to us on Facebook, please do like us at Hawaii Sports Fans on Facebook because you can join in on the conversation and ask questions of all our wonderful guests. And today we have a great guest. Um, and he's going to be a fun guy to ask questions of, especially if you're a fan of the Rainbow Warriors. And we are super excited, of course, because that's been a huge um, accomplishment for our state, for our university, and our team always remembers to talk about that, which is a great part of our boys, is they always remember um, their fans and their state and where they come from. But, um, you know, we're still remembering our cult as well. And um, next week, we'll be just about a year this weekend since my interview with Cole Brennan. And um, thank you for any everyone who has gone back and uh, watched the show again. And thank you for all the new viewers. I received a really great email from Regan Mauia, who was a fullback on that team. And it's funny because my Regan Mauia references on the show are usually Regan Mauia fumbling, which I remember <laughs> from the <laughs> Alabama game when I was in Alabama. And it's just the one memory. I don't know why. It's not like it caused, you know, like he caused the game or something. But um, I remember it was disappointing because I really wanted to be Alabama and being there was just a cool experience anyways. But, you know, um, Colt led us to some high moments and um, we'll always re remember um, what he did for our program and you know next week we'll remember him again and thank you for all that have reached out have watched new the show on YouTube again um, I'm just been excited at the response but um, you know I want to celebrate something else that uh, we've had happen in in recent Hawaii sports history and this is a big one and for a lot of us as fans and that's what I am first Wayne Cueto like I always say I'm the fan first and I was just so stoked because oh my Hello Kitty some of you see my Hello Kitty but this, this is a LAFC Hello Kitty it was a giveaway and this is why it's smart to have good giveaways because Hello Kitty giveaway is really brilliant but also a giveaway at a volleyball game would be to give people a piece of the court but that's just not usually something that happens but you know people like me are going to get my hands on this court and I got to get it signed by Rado. But anyways, I'm talking about myself so much because I, you know, I'm as a fan, I indulge as a fan. I indulge in this and, you know, and like I have a little streamer as well. Um, but a guy I always look forward to seeing at every UH men's volleyball game um, because he's super knowledgeable about volleyball, for one thing. Um, and he's really amazing at his job. And I'm really excited at, um, that he was able to cover um, not only because of his ties to, you know, what makes us really different as Hawaii is um, being a local team and a team that has local people, but he's a local boy himself. So he brings that, um, you know, that um, that essence and that perspective to the job, which is really important and which is really cool. And which um, in his call when he said Hawaii is no ka'oi, in 2021 it's such a good call i get chicken skin thinking about that because it's true we are the best and um it's cool to to hear him say it like that but um i just want to welcome uh the one and only tiff wells to the wayne Cueto show aloha tiff aloha wayne thanks for having me how we're doing i'm doing good thank you and thank you for uh your patience i know we uh, go through a lot of technical issues and you you have so many um you know jobs where you have to deal with microphones and and uh craziness and i'm 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 one of those guys too i'm always like every week i find a new um uh something gone wrong with my software so thank you for your patience but also um thank you for being here because i know it's been a crazy 
several months for you, just the excitement, but also the anxiety and the, you know, just um, COVID and the pandemic and how that has changed everything. Uh, but nonetheless, Hawaii men's volleyball uh, wins it all. And, you know, what, how do you describe, I mean, just from your perspective, all of this hubbub um, that happened in Ohio? Well, where do you go? Where do you start? You go from the high of beating BYU uh, March 6, 2020 to the following week, the teams on the road, seeing their season canceled or seeing their season postponed, then later canceled seniors thinking their careers are done. Big West conference NCAA gives a blanket waiver to all those spring sport athletes. They get an extra year mm -hmm. to does the big West even have a season? Yeah. Because you saw like the EIVA, the MIVA, MPSF all came out with their schedules uh, sometime throughout January of 2021. The Big West never made an announcement until uh, the last week of January. Sure. A shortened season, it's conference only, mm -hmm. and you get you get what you get, and it's it's a shortened it's a shortened conference season, and only conference matches against conference opponents. You had some non-conference, the you know you had against say, the likes of Santa Barbara and San Diego for the most part and mm -hmm. Irvine as well. Mm -hmm. Undefeated season, you lose in the conference tournament semifinals at home to a number four CDC San Diego. Maybe that loss was the best thing for this team this year and it gave yeah. them a chance to, you know, not have the undefeated season alive and it was something that you know they wanted to have the fans really wanted to have that undefeated season but sometimes when you do have that loss it, it puts things into a bit of perspective mm -hmm. given a second chance with that large bid you go to the nc2a tournament you were there at the cavelli center yeah played very well against santa barbara and played very well against byu and we'll get the ca banner raising coming in the next few months which should be very very cool yeah, that'll be really cool to see that. And I, I think, um, you know, it, it is one of those things that uh, will be talked about for such a long time. And in the moment, sometimes it's hard. And, you know, for me, if uh, you saw the video that I took, I was taking video and I was also providing video. You probably saw a lot of my Hawaii sports fans video on KITV. Um, but at the same time, you know, like Cody Krupp, when Aloha to Cody as well, who's leaving KITV and going to Wisconsin, um, I was like, Dude, I, I, in the third set, like, especially match point, like, I'm going to be, like, too emotionally, like, um, tense to be able to take any kind of video. So, like, I literally put my my phone, like, by my feet and, like, ended up knocking it over. But I at least got, like, a little bit of celebration. But it's so euphoric and it's so amazing. But for you, who has to do a job as well, I know you want to see this team win. You're a fan of this team, obviously. But you have to do a job as well, and you know that that's not always easy sometimes when you, you feel that. But um, great command, and you can be commended as well. You're extremely professional, but you also, you know, let that come through your excitement. And just talk about that moment, and was there any preparation that went into it, or, or what? how did you go into it? Did you not want to botch it all as well? Because you're like, if I think about us winning, then I'm like, you know, I could botch it all. But I don't know. what. How, do you, um, how did you prepare for it all? That's funny because I was also asked by uh, ESPN Honolulu's Gary Dickman uh, last week when I was when I was in studio. He had asked me if that final call, if it was scripted or if mm -hmm. it just came okay. off the cuff. And 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 like you like you asked, it wasn't any sort of bocce. Mm -hmm. um, I, I you know there there is a job to do, but also to realize that 
not a lot of people have ESPNU. Mm-hmm. And exactly. so they're relying on us with ESPN Honolulu to be to be that live uh, mm-hmm. picture painting mm-hmm. and to have that final call, had an idea of what we wanted to say uh, going into even Friday, the day before, as we're preparing for the match. And, mm-hmm. you know, you felt comfortable after, you know, how set one went, yeah. set two, you know, pretty comfortable win for Hawaii. And you thought maybe – maybe this had a chance and just seeing how set three went for Hawaii. There were a couple of ties, a couple of lead changes, especially in the second set, but that third set, it was all Hawaii. Yeah. And absolutely. you get to that, you get to the, you know, the halfway point at 15, you're like, okay, this is, this is going to happen. And you, 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 you can start to feel the excitement. You know, you don't want to shout into the crowd and into your microphone as much because you know, you have, <laughs> you have many people that are, uh, that are listening and trying to yeah. follow along and, and they can feel the excitement. They can hear the fans. Thank goodness there were fans mm-hmm. uh, for those two matches that Hawaii had in, in Ohio. Just, you know, with everything going on, no fans for Hawaii's uh, matches all season long. Yeah. Uh, but to just, you know, have that live perspective, you know, the last few points, kind of just thinking along the lines of what head coach Charlie Wade had said, you know, all throughout his 12 years of just, you know, it's it's been a process. It's been thinking of guys, you know, throughout the program that have gotten this men's volleyball team, this program to where it is now. And he's, you know, very appreciative of this 2021 group, but he will always remember individuals throughout those 12 years of his coaching career here at UH that helped this program get to where it's at. Yeah. Well, yeah, this this program um, and this team, uh, there are so many great storylines, obviously uh, just talented. Um, but seeing a guy like Rado, uh, we'll just talk about him. I just saw Milan post about how he um, signed with his old team, I guess, Milan's team in um, Bulgaria, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. And I, I, what got me thinking about just like how amazing that pipeline is and just like uh, the relationship between like, I'm always looking at how Polynesians, Asians, how we're always related to each other and how our language and culturally we are. But, you know, we, there's not that much like Eastern European connection. There's like HPU men's tennis and women's tennis. Like I can figure out where like all of it is, but it's so cool at the same time because that's always been actually been a part of us for a long time, that connection. And um, culturally, um, just the family, the Ohana spirit is clearly a part of their culture and, and, and Milan and, and obviously um, – you know, coach, just making sure that 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 feeling of that team. But just talk about yeah, how that team, that Ohana, that that chemistry, um, is really um, what ultimately probably helped them um, do something that was is really difficult. That people don't understand how hard it was. It, it's you go back to last year after uh, the season got canceled, and then having to realize for these seniors that they're going to be given an extra chance. And luckily for all the sports, you know, within the spring sports season that the, this extra year wasn't going to count, was not going to count towards the four and a half scholarships for men's volleyball. And so with the program, with the boosters, with the supporters of this program, you know, it, it took, it took a lot, it took a lot of effort, took a lot of money from the community to help raise the money needed for the likes of Patrick Gaspin, Colton Cowell, Radha Punov. Uh, James Anastasiades and Jackson Van Ekren all to come back for this fit for this extra season. And Rado Padapunov put it bluntly when he was asked about it. He says, you know, we've, we have to repay the debt given to us uh, from this community. We have a debt to repay. And the only way to do that, he realized was a team national championship. He's always been one to say, you know, 
individual accolades are nice, but they're not the end game. And it's a team sport. And once he bought in, once Colton Cowell, once brought up, once Patrick Gaskin, they bought in this team. You saw the hashtag once the season began, which was unfinished business. And they felt along with BYU that 2020, it was going to be a collision course meeting at George Mason between Hawaii and BYU, to who would have been the national champion in 2020. And to come into 2021, they had they had a look on their faces all season long, and, and it took a very good effort, very good effort, very great effort from UC San Diego to beat Hawaii at home in the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. But you did, you were there, you saw the matches against Santa Barbara and against BYU, mm-hmm. and they just had a look in their eye like, this is ours, no one's taking it from us, and we're going to take it to our opponents from the opening serve. And there was just a look in the eyes of a Gaspian, a Potapuna, and a Kawa. And it took the leaders, it took the seniors to help reel in this group and, and to help them understand that we are the one seed. We're playing for more than just ourselves. We're playing for an entire state. And with those fans in the crowd, it made a huge difference. And I, we appreciate, I mean, I, as a fan, I, I just being there and I, I was lucky I got to cover that one game and I saw you in Northridge and, and being media there, obviously I wasn't there to cheer or anything and it was a, kind of a humdrum game, but I got to see the team up close and honestly, the team looked kind of bored. I mean, like it's hard sometimes to, to stay dominant. And that's a hard thing and people realize you got to get yourself up for it, but you can't get too high for it, but you got to be focused. And like you said, the UCSD game was probably a wake up call. One thing about Rado, and I'm just so impressed with him, and just the way he answers questions. First of all, I mean, English, when it's not your first language, is really difficult to like be able mm-hmm. to just have, you know, um, provide great answers and commentary. But one thing I loved about him, too, was after the ESPN broadcast, he talked about, um, or during it, because the game was so fast that they had time to show the trophy presentation, which is not normal, but Hawaii won so quickly that they were like, we, we can show the trophies, we can interview the players. And like the, the announcers were like, oh, Rado, you hit this. Like, you hit this poorly or something. And he was just like, uh, like, I'm holding a championship trophy. Like, he was like, no, this is not the narrative. We won this. And this is not about my, how I played or how anything. And that was so amazing. Because I was getting upset. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We just won the national championship. We're not talking about how, who hit, blah, 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 blah. It's, this is, you know, what it is. But, I mean, just talking about just the, just, the maturity, I think, too, of, of the seniors and all of them, not just in the game, but throughout the season and how they kind of had to steer the ship. Well, I mean, you, you talked about Rado and the fact that he realized he was going to be the guy this coming season. And, and that and that goes back to, the you know, the first part of 2020 before the season ultimately got canceled. And he realized that he he has basically said that that his position, the opposite is you're the garbage guy. You're not always going to get the best of sets, but you're expected to be the point scorer. And he was. He double-digit kills in every single match this season. You saw the service run he had uh, against BYU in the national championship. Mm-hmm. His leadership, both on and off the floor, along with Patrick Gaspin and Colton Cal, they've been they've been Rainbow Warriors for five, and for in some cases for Cal and Gaspin, they've been at UH since uh, the 2015-2016 academic year. And so for those guys to have been around for for, the, yeah. for this long and for Colton to be a Maui boy, you know, yeah, yeah. he was born in Manhattan Beach, but, you know, he, he does list Makawao as his hometown. And he's he's always said and he's always put on, you know, the, the pride of Maui, Maui yeah. Bill. There's so mm-hmm. many hashtags, so many nicknames he has uh, that has been given to him. 
just another in the long line of Hawaii grown products that go and be stars yeah. for the men's volleyball team here at UH. Just to see the leadership, we, we you know, we, we can't forget guys like, like a James Anastasiades mm -hmm. who did graduate but came back, was a grad manager, yeah. wasn't with the team on the floor all season long, but was with them on the floor for the semis and the final. Uh, at Ohio State, he was clutch, and we can't forget Jackson Van Eckford. You know, a guy that, if he yeah. wanted to, could have transferred, could have left, could have started at almost every single Division One or Division Two school out there on the men's side. Chose to be a team guy, chose to be at UH, and he was one of those blue guys on the bench that really helped the the starters get better in practice day in and day out. One moment that it was kind of my favorite um, of the entire tournament, and I just kind of let out, and I was next to you for that, and I was on the platform, and I, you, I don't know if you saw me, I got, I got scolded. <laughs> was during Grotto's, um like four ace, or was it five in a row ace thing? I mean, I thought that was the nail in the dagger. I thought that's when we won the national championship because it was over. Like BYU, and it's intimidating. They brought a lot of people too, and they were allowed too, and they can, BYU people do not, do not they're like utah jazz they are utah jazz fans they're like the people that you know like are annoying sometimes too but also are into it and are knowledgeable about volleyball just as much because you know mormons i mean that's how i grew up as well we're knowledgeable about volleyball so you know it was it, it's like you said it was the perfect two teams to play each other but also um at any moment byu could have came back i mean they have the gabby on their team i mean the guy's crazy um mm -hmm. but I felt like that was my could have been the most crippling moment, uh, and I felt a shift in the gym. But uh, when you look back on just specifically that run uh, and that rotto, what do you remember? And you know, even your calls, what do you remember about that? What do you remember about rotto? It's it's a guy, and you go along with all the other servers at UH on the on that team in that match, and they weren't necessarily serving at people; mm -hmm. they were more so serving in between mm -hmm. uh, the serve receivers. And I think for UH, they knew they had to be not just serving with miles per hour behind their serve, mm -hmm. but it was more so trying to be smart with their serves. They weren't just going back to grip and rip. It was more yeah. so of placing their serves and getting BYU out of system. Uh, a lot of people felt that BYU wasn't the greatest of teams in terms of serve receive. And you hear every coach say, well, if you can win the serve and pass game, you'll be in the match. Mm -hmm. And you just felt that Hawaii's serve receive game uh, and a lot of credit goes to the likes of Colton Cowell, Chaz Galloway, mm -hmm. and Gage Worsley. They played very well on serve receive. They only gave up two aces in that match against BYU. They only had one uh, reception error against Santa Barbara. They made two very good teams look quite average. Yeah. Santa yeah. Barbara was top four all mm -hmm. season long. BYU was one and two all season long as well. And they made and UH made two very good teams mm -hmm. look quite average. Uh, like you said, you go you go to the BYU match, you had the Cougars out of system more often than not. And, and sometimes you feel, you know, some sympathy for the opponent, especially when their setter, Will Stanley, Punahou grad, you feel bad for him. He's running all over the court basically the entire match. Mm -hmm. And Hawaii just took it to BYU from the service line. And, and that was from the opening point. And it, it basically culminated with, with Rado's three straight aces uh, in, in that third set. And you just felt that, you know, even before that, mm -hmm. that Hawaii had a legitimate chance from the beginning. And like you said, that those three aces put together, and of course, Yakutella's run as well. Uh, those two really yes. put nails in the coffin to lead Hawaii to that title.
Jakob Tella, I mean, he's probably one of my favorite players as well. I know Jenny's watching, so although Jenny, she was there in the gym, and that's one of her favorite players too. And I, one thing I like about him is, like, um, first of all, he had one of the best plays, I think, of the tournament when he, like, I mean, when he swings at the net, when he doesn't even show, or even when he shows, doesn't even, like, show that he's going to try and get the guys to bite on a set. Like, you know he's swinging, and he swings from crazy angles, um, and he had one amazing swing, like I think it was a third set, where he didn't even. It looked like he was gonna set the one, and he was like, you know, I'm not. I'm gonna swing, and I'm gonna just let them know. And he doesn't even. He goes up, and he just turns, and you're like, oh my gosh, like he's above the net, and ripping it straight down. But he is just so fun to watch. But talk about just you know his leadership, especially from that position, like this other spot, which is another coveted spot on our team, obviously. He had some big shoes to fill, and he was on that 2019 team. He was a true freshman. And behind Joe Worsley, the, the two-time All-American, three-time All-American, mm -hmm. uh, two-time first-teamer. And he was able to learn from Joe day in and day out in practice. And you more so saw Jakob uh, in that Big West Championship match in, in 2019 here at home against Long Beach State. And he came in, had a couple of very good serves late in the match. And you just felt that if he was given a chance moving on in his career, that he he could be the guy. He split, mm -hmm. some, he split time last year. In 2020, with, with Brett Sheward, basically took over the starting job here in 21, and he knew he had he had dudes. Yeah. Every coach tells us if you want to win a match, if you want to win a big match or the match, you got to have dudes. And Hawaii had three of them between Gaspin, Panapunov, and Cowell. And and we can't forget what Chaz Galloway did in the B, in the BYU mm -hmm. match: six kills, nine airless swings. Same for Guillermo Voss. Those two guys stepped up quite huge. For what Jakob Tella did, that was a masterful performance. Hawaii hit over 380 in that match, hit 381, one of the best offensive wow. performances from start to finish. Wow. <laughs> and it a lot of credit a lot of credit goes to the, the passers on on receive that we talked yeah. about earlier. Yeah. But Jakob Tella set a phenomenal match. Uh, well, that's amazing. Hitting 380. It's like if a team wins a World Series hitting 380, it's like people would be like, What? Like it's insane. Uh, but also, you know, Yako Tele, these guys, Rado, they're on the team on the Long Beach uh, in that gym at the Pyramid when uh, I was there as well. I was wearing this jersey, so I'm reclaiming this jersey right now. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have worn a basketball jersey to volleyball, but, you know, we had to witness. I had to witness a national championship defeat in this jersey, but um, it was nice to get that back in Ohio. But talk about just was there anything lingering you think from Long Beach that um, also helped to just um, push these guys even further um once it especially when it got down to the postseason i just think for the seniors they knew that this was their last shot and sure did they want to did they want to be you know national champs with a perfect record of course yeah. but like like we talked about earlier and having that that unfortunate loss in the conference tournament semifinals that that has a lot of people have felt that that was almost a wake-up call and it was almost good yeah. that they got that loss out of their system and mm -hmm. i think just when you're given you're given that second chance with the at-large bid. You were still the number one seed based off of your resume. Mm -hmm. It allowed the seniors to have about a week and a half, two weeks before that next match against Santa Barbara to realize, you know, if we have that type of match in the NCAA tournament, it's not going to fly. It's not going to go well. And for these seniors to realize that we have one final opportunity, they had to take it and they did. And they took it to Santa Barbara. They took it to BYU and, Oh, how fitting was it for mm. Patrick Gassman at the yeah. final point of the 2020 season against BYU with the walk-off ace 
has the final point, not just of his career, but of the 2021 season yeah. with the kill through the mill against BYU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love it. I always, especially because we're passing nails, it's like, just go middle all day if we can, because it's just a beautiful thing to, you know, Voss and, or just to give Jakob some options. I mean, I, I, I'll, you know, it's obviously wherever Rado was in the, in the universe, you can set him and he'll probably have a good swing at it. But um, it's nice to be able to work those guys in the front and especially our middles and, I thought, uh, you know, like they, they executed so well. Um, and that was ultimately, you know, I think the difference was just execution and perfection. And I've never seen a UH team of any standard really play that way. I mean, other than, you know, our Sugar Bowl team, you know, like who, and we saw what could happen, but they, you know, I don't think they would have won the national championship. And that's a way different thing winning national championship, obviously football and volleyball, but still just the level of execution where it's just like, wow, our team is so good. Like you watch them, you're like, wow we're good like and that's kind of fun this is not you don't see it all the time but um i think now the a lot of the question is looking forward and i was i had the uh rare opportunity actually after the long beach loss in the national championship to talk to coach wade and um share even a drink with him a few of us and, and just very briefly and I, I, was, I was struck by just his commitment to like the long-termness obviously it was, it, you're gonna be sad you just lost the national championship game guys are you know graduating but uh coach wade was definitely excited about you know some of the guys he was bringing in and just what he was building and it's like he knew that something like this was coming but um now that this has been accomplished mission accomplished it's like what is next for coach wade's staff and what where do you where is the direction of the program going and what are some you know some players are we might be excited about we see a lot of local faces which is pretty cool too to see a lot of local boys that are a part of this program but um you know just talk about the future of hawaii men's volleyball Where's the future? I mean, outside of being able to see that banner raise, see the trophy in in the Simplified Arena, the Stan Sheriff Center, those will be those will be two cool moments. Uh, when you look at the 2022 season, you look at who you have to replace. It's going to be tough. Uh, you lose one of the more dominant middles the country has seen the last couple of years with Pat Gasman. You lost the national ABCA Player of the Year. You're opposite for the last two years in Radopada Punov. You lost your outside one, Colton Cowell. He graduated a libero who will, who did get his degree last week and Gage Worsley. Awesome. All were all Americans. Yeah. You lost four starters, four all Americans. You lose a bench guy in, in Jackson Van Eckram. It could be tough. Do I see them being the number one team in the country? You know, we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a program that head coach Charlie Wade has always said, we don't rebuild, we reload. And they do have a couple guys coming in uh, that are going to be true freshmen. You have a whole bunch of, returnees because it's it's a unique circumstance yeah. that not only for uh but all these other schools have where you you came into 2021 and you could you could have a third year freshman which mm-hmm. could be the red shirt season plus the covid year yeah. plus he you know being a third year red shirt freshman it's it's unheard of and you have yeah. guys that are going to eventually graduate with multiple degrees some yeah. may get you know, a PhD, some may get master's, some may get grad certificates just mm-hmm. to be in school for five, six, maybe seven years. So it's, it's just a situation. It's unique. You have a lot of guys returning. You have, you have at least three signed uh, for the 2022 campaign. We'll see what happens with, uh, we'll see what happens with the schedule. Mm-hmm. Could we get outside of the big West conference? Do we see the return of the outrigger? invitational do we see hawaii traveling for non-conference matches it's mm-hmm. it's just you, you, all these unique circumstances that we just have to as we've done for the last 14 months of wait yeah. and see yeah 
Well, that's going to be interesting that like you said about just the just how the clocks have been uh, messed with with people's NCAA eligibility. But honestly, the NCAA has even more issues when it comes to amateurism and everything else that is probably going to be good changes in the long run. But some stuff that the pandemic uh, or conversations that have been the pandemic probably caused in a lot of ways just because we have the time. But um, I love that mentality of Coach Wade talking about reloading. That reminds me of like Al Skates at UCLA and um, – I talked to with with Jason Olive about this on the show, and that was a thing, you know, um, kind of in our time as well. It was like UCLA was just taking guys to put on their like their C or D court, so they couldn't play on like other teams. Like they were like that loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, I, I know that there are guys in the pipeline as well. And Coach Wade is is trying to do a mix of you know raising guys locally and bringing guys in, but. Uh, what do you think ultimately is is Coach Wade's? Um, you know, what what do you, where does he go from here? And you know, uh, a guy that started off as Coach Dave Shoji's assistant and um, at UH and is now from the Wednesday and one. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what a great story for him. But um, you know, does where do we go from here? Even with Coach Wade? Well, I know he is going to Europe uh, either next week or the week after. He he is looking at, at a couple of international recruits to bring in. That's always been. Mm-hmm. One of the success stories for this program is is his ability, along with uh, assistant coach Josh Walker and associate head coach Milan Zarkovic, to go the international pipeline. And you could go yeah. through rosters of the last decade, 15 years of international guys that have been successful. And the you know you look at 2002, of course, Costas Del Herides, and you look and you look at ALZ Met. Now you look at 21 uh, with Rado Padapunov and also Spiros Hakas, Guillermo Voss. It's, it's been one of the few programs that has been successful going the international round. And, 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 and the same case, you know, could be said for, for BYU. And when you look at these, uh, when you look at these recruiting rankings, you know, from, from volleyball magazines, sometimes, you know, fans look at it, you know, why isn't Hawaii in the top five or in the top 10? And, and, you know, it's, it's sometimes you're not able to get the top, you know, domestic guys but you're able to bring in you're able to bring in good quality guys international guys don't count towards your recruiting uh ranking uh when for for the for volleyball magazine when they look at it but you're able to get good quality guys and ultimately great team guys that help to sustain and, and achieve an ultimate goal and that's to be successful as a team and that's something that's you know i think even relevant on the women's side as well i mean it, it, and then I might have a lot to do with the fact that we have to be more creative with our budgets. And um, I think Coach Wade is funded pretty decently in court in, in terms of like or in terms of like his his program or how is it? Do, do you know what the actual numbers are in comparison to other programs or because um, it seems like, you know, we were committed and he we get fans in the seats. I mean, it's one of the few teams that you can be like, hey, this works like this, this model of fans come and we get revenue. And that obviously is not something for every sport, but um, what is that you know like for the university as well? Just to have a solid men's volleyball program. It's great. It's one of the it's one of the few programs, and when we say few, we're going to go with two. Uh, Hawaii and BYU are the only two programs that really make money. Mm. And, and for for Hawaii that that you've seen the last few years, they've led the they led the country in attendance. I mean, outside of twenty twenty. Uh, 2021 that is but you look back at 2019 18 they've led the country over over 5200 fans per match 
So you're able to make the money. You saw what Hawaii was able to do in the Big West Conference Tournament as they were the host in 2019. And if you were able to go to those matches, the quarterfinal ones when Hawaii was not in there, you had San Diego, Irvine, uh, CSUN, and Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. You were able to still get 2,500 fans for two quarterfinal matches on a Thursday in Hawaii when UH was not playing. And you may have had a couple of local yeah. ties here and there on, on, so on rosters and whatnot. But yeah. all the teams after the tournament were able to go home with some money because of how wow. well the, how well the conference tournament was run and how well it was supported. And you wow. saw that UH Long Beach match, it was sold out. Mm -hmm. The senior night match a few weeks prior against mm -hmm. Santa Barbara, that was sold out. So just to see, everybody loves a winner. Of course. But the success that this program has had not only here at home but just in general the last few years it's been the hot ticket in town everybody wants to be at a men's volleyball match and for those that are lucky enough to get tickets whether it's season tickets individual tickets or what however they get their tickets to come to a match they're treated to some high level volleyball because as we've seen in this big west conference it's been the top conference mm -hmm. since 2018 when the when the big when the Big West first officially sponsored men's volleyball because mm -hmm. the national champion has come from the BWC Hawaii mm -hmm. in 21 and Long Beach in 19 and 18. Now Irvine had won it recently before, but right that was before like MPSF or something. So I mean, the, yes, the, yeah, the, the volleyball has come, and obviously the sport, and we can talk about that all day as well, but. I mean, when you look at um, that revenue thing, that's actually a very interesting thing, and I was um, because of the fact that we we often hear the narrative so often, especially with Hawaii athletics, is like the conferences are always like, and you know, I'm my, I'm associated with the Pac West Conference as well, and I have been for 14 years at D2, and just hearing that from the Shamanad and the people who you know feel like, oh, we have to go all the way there to play Hilo, and we have to play. HPU, so I and you hear the same thing at D1 with UH. You hear like, oh wow, like, but if you have the Big West Conference, it, th there's a good argument that the tournament should never move, li literally from Hawaii. Like it sh the Big West Conference tournament should be in Hawaii every year, because like you said, no matter who, uh, they'll make money. And uh, in Ohio, let's be honest, like we had to uh, tell people over and over again that there's a volleyball tournament. They're like, what, really? Oh, interesting. Is Ohio like it's at Ohio State? Ohio State's not in. They're like, oh, Ohio State is volleyball. Some people are like, you know, it's like we take for granted just how important, what kind of pedestal we put volleyball on compared to like Ohio State, where we just came from. We had to re explain to everybody in Columbus we were there for volleyball. Well, you didn't get to leave the hotel that I guess that much out of your bubble, but um, no. And I think that's kind of something that is really cool and um, about our culture or our just our local culture. It just has support for volleyball, but. As you see the the game, I know you like that. You hashtag grow the game because that's been something. And I mean, if you've, if you've played volleyball and anybody who's played competitive volleyball, you've known that it's always kind of been a fringe sport. It's always been the thing that even at Stanford, even though Stanford reversed course, which was, uh, if we're going to even talk about that. Stanford had no business even cutting sports. They have such a ridiculous um, endowment. Like they don't ever need to count. They could add like sports, like every they could add Quidditch and they'd be fine. You know, I could keep adding crazy stuff, but um, no, I mean, I think that's important is like, just like um, uh, just how the game is um, sometimes 
that one that's like we could cut it, I guess, if Title IX or something. But how do you think volleyball sustains itself uh, on, on that national level? And uh, and the global level, I feel like it's still growing. I, I'm not as attuned to the volleyball world as a global, but just nationally, I mean, D3 is huge now and D1 and 2 is growing. Um, but how do you, like, you grow the game in other ways, like in popularity or in media or, or or do you see even the, uh, uh, do you think that it's not growing or do you feel like there there is an urgency to um, maybe get it even bigger or recruit even more guys into the sport or and girls into the sport? I think for the men, it's a little bit tough just because you have so few D1, D2 programs and, and to have uh, 42 programs, D1 and D2, just, you know, they have to combine it. Yeah. That, that, that's a small, that's a, that's a, that's a small issue. Yeah. I think if you're able to find a way to get a power five conference to maybe sponsor and sanction men's volleyball and you grow it that way, that could, that could be a start. And and for what we've seen in the NC2A tournament to go from what was four teams, then to six, then to seven, the next progression would be eight, like yeah. what division three has, like you mentioned earlier, that you're able to get a true one versus eight, two versus seven and so forth. And everybody has to play three matches to ultimately win the national title to see what women's volleyball has had and to see the platform that they are able to showcase, not just their final four, not just the regional, not just the regional final, but also the regional semifinals. You're able to have your, your, your sweet 16 all on various ESPN platforms. That's a key. You may see, a couple of the first round, a couple of the second round matches on a variety of networks out there. And that's great. You look at the men's volleyball tournament, take for instance, what we just had two weeks ago in Ohio, you had six total matches. Only one, one of the six was on an ESPN platform and it was on ESPNU. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody gets a ESPNU. You had two match. You had two matches streamed on NCAA.com. Heaven forbid Hawaii was not a top two seed and they had to play and they did have to play their, their semifinal match on an NCAA.com stream. Yeah. Thankfully, Hawaii fan, <laughs> thankfully Hawaii fans did not, you know, crash down the server because you know, there were a lot yeah, of IP sure. addresses from, from the Island Definitely. streamed in Definitely. and thank goodness for Ohio state and for their connections with being in the big 10 to have mm-hmm. BTM plus and to have those, opening round matches that were on Monday and Tuesday to have those provided not just yeah. with video, but also commentary. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a joke and it's almost yeah. a travesty with yeah. the sport to have one match and it be your championship match to be on a major platform. And yeah. so I think to go back to your original question, which was how do you make the game popular? How do you, grow, how do you continue to grow the game? That's the hashtag that this sport wants to use. You have to start with, having more of your matches, not just your championship matches, but your, some of your regular season matches yeah. on a variety of platforms. And if you find a way to have your conference tournaments on say with EIVA, with how, with their connections with the big 10, with Ohio state and Penn state, you're able to put those on the big 10 network. You can throw some of the MPSF matches, maybe on a PAC 12 network with your connections yeah. with uh, UCLA and SC and Stanford. Yeah. Yeah, continue to be innovative yeah. because yeah. you're trying to at the end of the day grow the sport and the only way to do that is to put it on major television mm-hmm. 
and there's an appetite for it all all across the country, right? I mean, it's like men's volleyball is has pockets everywhere. I mean, Northeast, Midwest. I mean, there's a lot of places that play the volleyball, and um, you know, and I and I think in Hawaii it's even more uh, like um, utilitarian. Like us, like we played at recess. It's something like people in Hawaii, like everybody has to at least be involved in it somehow. So like, there's a volleyball culture here. Um, but at the same time, like obviously, like it's it's hard to get volleyball out of that men's volleyball specifically men's because we're not even talking about women where it's definitely much more mainstream especially ncaa um but now that uh the ncaa championship is is with uh you know how does uh do you think um how does this change our outlook does this change charlie's philosophy does it do you think this um you know, and just the, the, the recognition, even though it's different, because like in 1995, we could watch everything on like ESPN2 and on ESPN is like with those crazy ESPN2 graphics. Even I still remember and Chris Marlowe and everything, <laughs> which you kind of miss him because he had a great call when we won the national championship in 22 uh, and for at least television, uh, which I'm still, uh, you know, they should just let you do the tall caller at that point. But, um, you know, it, it, it it's it's like, you know, does can UH at least leverage, I think, more in, in growing this game, but also maybe be a leader in, in terms of how this game is growing as well? I think they, they have been. And this this is going back to uh, the 2018 season uh, when they went to Nashville, part of the Grow the Game Challenge in 2019. They went mm. to the East Coast, mm. took on teams like, you know, Queens and whatnot. And, and you have you, you sometimes hear some of the chatter of, oh, why, why are we playing, you know, these conference Carolina teams and why are we bringing them out or why are we going to their place and playing them? Yeah. It's so for them. And when we've talked with those coaches from, from King uh, university Lincoln. and also from, from Queens university yeah. in Charlotte, they're yeah. saying that that is some of the greatest, uh, some of the greatest volleyball atmospheres they've had oh, to bring in a top notch program into their facility and when, when Hawaii went to take on Lincoln Memorial a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. they moved that match from their men's volleyball-specific arena mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the basketball – or from the men's volleyball wow. gym into the basketball arena. Wow. And for that, and for that you know, expansion of just that program at, at LMU to go into their basketball facility, yeah. that was huge for them. Yes, Hawaii yeah. won in a dominant sweep. But it just it was able to showcase their brand of volleyball to parts of the country that may or may not be able to have the chance to see a UH. So I think for UH, they've been able to showcase their sport and they've been able to do a lot of good things the last few years to help grow the game. And there's been other there's been other teams, you know, specifically with the within the Big West of like a Long Beach and an Irvine where they go to different places. Uh, in the country yeah. and play these non-conference matches and, you know, to help not so much to, to try and help their RPI or strength of schedule, but it's also mm-hmm. to promote the game and try to help these yeah. newly established programs get, get themselves on the map. And, you know, just better some of those programs. I mean, people don't realize that even within D1, D2, there are some crazy schools like Sacred Heart, who I used to play St. Francis, all these guys, um, you know, Springfield, I you know, seeing them come to UH, I thought that was really cool when when that happened, um, just because that is people don't if they understand that's there's a lot of history of volleyball there at that school as well, but people don't know because it's always a small school in Western Massachusetts. But I played in that gym and um, it's it's crazy. I mean the you know because that, there was even national you know NCAA Division One ch- um, championships there. So I think that I agree. I mean I think uh, taking the show on the road almost and. 
Um, you know, I think about playing at Juniata, uh, which is an Amish country town right outside of Penn State, and also playing at Penn State. But the Juniata was also like that was a crazy experience because like that whole town comes went to the game because they're like, oh, there's a men's volleyball game, and that's something. And I think that people, um, you know, under you know, uh, they're not exposed to it as much, and that's the thing too. In the U.S., it's like if um, it seems like if the game at the youth level, because I know in some states they they have a hard time promoting it as a high interscholastic sport. Do you think that is also something? And I don't know what the landscape looks like nationally, but um, what kind of access is really given to boys, um, you know, in terms of like K through 12? There's not, I mean, there, there's some, it's not on the same level as, as what girls volleyball has. And I mm -hmm. think for what, for what the girls sport has, I think it's, it's great. It's continuing to grow. And I, and I think for the, for the boys side, it's, you know, outside of Hawaii, California, Texas, you look at all the East Coast and the Midwest schools or Midwest states. That is, it's it's it can be it can be a little bit tough for for boys that are wanting to get into the sport if they're in an area where volleyball isn't. I wouldn't say a priority, but it's just not available. Yeah. And yeah. you go to you go to the, you know you go to the boys junior Olympics and, and you see a lot of these teams from the sports we just, from, from the states we just talked about, you know, Hawaii and California and, and a majority of the East coast states, but it's, it's sometimes just not available. It's not mm -hmm. accessible to these kids. So I think mm -hmm. for them, it's, if they are interested, it's just trying to find a, a, cl a club team or if it's, it's just a place where it's, it's further away from home. You know, if you really want to play the sport, it's, they're, they're going to have to be a lot of sacrifices. Yeah. And you hear it. You hear it in Kane, like club, how much club costs, travel costs are. It's crazy. Um, we have some comments. One says, Grant says, I'm happy for them, but only special people like Governor Ige got to take a photo with the national champs. So obviously there were some weird circumstances this year because of COVID. Um, but what is your assessment, I guess, of the, of the, the response um, by the state and by the community um, to the team? And, and is there anything that kind of blew your mind by it or was it what you expected kind of? I thought for what the team was, or for what the school and for what the state was able to do on such short notice to have the drive through celebration mm -hmm. on campus, the day of the team arriving within a couple of hours, I thought that was great. You knew, yeah. you knew traffic. You knew traffic was going to be nuts around Manoa coming mm. through, uh, coming on Dole Street, going down Lower Campus Road. I thought, I thought the fan base that was able to come out on basically such short notice yeah. uh, to come and celebrate the guys, I thought that was great. And for the presentation on Wednesday, the, you know, a couple of days later on Wednesday. When they were able to have the trolley ride, going to the governor's house, or going going to the governor's house, and doing all all of you know those those types of events, I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. I think for for what you were given and for what we where we are in terms of you know the the COVID response and everything, I think you have been able to do as much as you can do. I mean, would you have liked to have seen maybe a watch party at the arena? For the national championship match, I thought that would have been cool, or maybe yeah. like a you go you, you put a you put a TV screen and maybe Cookfield yeah. or TC yeah. Ching and yeah. socially distanced. You, you could have you could have found ways maybe to uh -huh. also include a lot more of the fan base fan base the season ticket holders. But I think to answer that question, I think for as little time as you had to prepare things 
and to help celebrate everybody that they were here before they ended up going back home for the summer and for the seniors who graduated who have left, you've been able to do as much as you can do given with the time that you were presented with. Yeah, I agree with you, with especially with the drive-by. Um, that was impressive, how many cars came by, how patient the boys were, how excited they were as well to see everyone. But um, it just shows you still we have it in Hawaii. It's like if you're going to captivate us with something, you know, people will be there for it. And going back to Colt and the Sugar Bowl team and how events could attract people for hours and they'll wait. And I heard people were, I mean, what was, do you know what the final number was? Was it like 500-something or something? How many cars? I think for that drive-through on Sunday, it was around a thousand. What? And for a lot, wow. and, and it was about a, about a thousand cars. And, and for a lot of them, oh uh, it was their first time being able to see 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 the team in person. Yeah. Because you didn't have fans in the arena for the for the home matches and for the select few they got to go and see them yeah. in person in Columbus. That was the first time you got to see them, and it was just a chance. I know a lot of people were stuck in traffic. But for what we heard from a lot of those people that it was well worth it because they were able to go through the celebration and just give thanks to a program that gave back to this state in a time where it's been, we've been socially distant. We've not been able to see people for, you know, yeah. months and months. And finally we have a big reason to celebrate and that is a national championship. And that was cool. Cause um, you know, we came out or responded um, I do feel excited. I did get one of the streamers that popped out and I just think about that moment and how cool it was as a fan to be in there and for all of us that were there at the Covelli Center. But, you know, looking back at Ohio and that, that whole, um, you know, the gym and, and what, what was your takeaway also just from that atmosphere and the way that the tournament was run? And I mean, maybe at UH, how maybe the same thing could be done there. You know what I mean? I thought the facility was beautiful. Uh, we we yeah. saw renderings and pictures of it uh, when it first opened up in, in June of 2019 and, and, and thought it was great. I mean, for, mm -hmm. for the Ohio State University to have, you know, $49, $50 million just laying yeah. around, build a volleyball-specific <laughs> yeah. facility, and yes, wrestling uses it as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it was beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I thought for what they did, they could have done a lot more to help uh, the fan experience Definitely. for those that were there and, yeah. you know, there, you know, there, there were, there were a few things that could have been done. Uh, we talked about grow the game and the hashtag. I think if you end up going back to Ohio state for an NCAA tournament to have a facility that only holds 3,700, mm. I think that is, I know their, their minimum is 35. We all knew what happened at, at the pyramid at Long Beach State two years ago with, you know, 4,200 is the capacity and, you know, Hawaii fans not being given a whole lot of opportunities to get tickets because, you no, know, Long Beach State. I think to go from 4,200 down to 3,700 for capacity, I know because of COVID, it didn't go into that much of an account. But I think moving forward, you you need facilities that can hold five six seven thousand yeah. and yeah. it's been it's been years 2004 is the last time hawaii was able to host the national championship they put in bids they have not been given those bids i think to help continue to grow the game I'm, I'm hoping in the next cycle when those bids go out for the national championships that hawaii puts in one and they're able to be given a bid to host the nc2a tournament 
so I just had a crazy flashback. Um, the first time I think I ever saw digital television, this is strange, the switch from like the box sizes was, and it might have been fake digital, you know, forced digital, how they used to do it on purpose, but still was the national championship when I think OC16 or Spectrum still showed it, even though Hawaii was hosting it, right? Wasn't that 2000, 2001, 2000? There was that year where we were, we thought we'd make it. I think it was Clay Stanley was on the team. Um, and we still showed up, and Princeton, I think, was in it. Um, I don't know who was represented. Obviously, there's only four teams. That was a different tournament. But, I mean, you can imagine if it was Penn State, Ohio State, UH, BYU, Long Beach State, and, like, you know, whatever, North Carolina school gets in. Um, you know, like, that would be a huge ticket in Hawaii, right? We we, we would sell out the Stan Sheriff Center. We would. And, and I know when UCLA was able to host in Poly. Uh, in 2018, and their and and their team was able to make the national championship, and it was them in Long Beach State, and for, and for Polly, who holds, I think about 17, 18 thousand, uh, they drew 85, maybe nine thousand, 8500, maybe nine thousand. So even they weren't able wow. to sell out or even get yeah. to half of the uh, half of the of, of the capacity for Fall Pavilion. But you know, if <laughs> you know if Hawaii is in the national tournament, and then if they're hosting it, and yeah. we're able to get fans back, which we hopefully can have that happen coming very, very soon. Uh, you know, if Hawaii is involved and they're hosting, yeah. uh, you better get your ticket quick because yeah. it's it going it gonna to be sold out. <laughs> For sure. We got another question from Grant. He wants to let you get your background. Did you, is that a lava lava or something? He's like, where did you get that sheet? So I'm guessing he's talking about your background. <laughs> yes. Uh, my, my mother, who, who, who you know, uh -huh. uh, from, from her years of reporting Sydney Lewis uh found this at a, at a, at a local at a, well not even local she found it at Costco uh <laughs> she gave it to me about a year ago and uh I I, I don't I don't I don't wear pareos uh but it's 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 been it's been a it's been a great backdrop for those that have watched uh my fan Friday uh talk yeah, story talk segments on ESPN yeah. Honolulu uh that's been the backdrop so just we recorded one today we left it up and that we we found it at Costco. So who is your yeah, – yeah, and talk about just that, what what your work has been recently too with uh, Fan Fridays. So that uh, – it, it was an idea come up uh, between our web editor, Lance Tominaga, but also mm -hmm. our general manager, Matt Apana, former Rainbow Warrior baseball player. Mm -hmm. And it was an idea thought of last August uh, as we knew that it was going to be a while before uh, you know sports were going to come back. And this is before football announced that they were going to be playing uh, Mountain West only schedule uh, for the 2020 season. And so they're thinking, how do we keep fans engaged? How do we, you know, continue to uh, have stories put out there uh, with athletes and coaches? And so we came up uh, with our Fan Friday talk story. And it's it's going with players and coaches, former players, mm -hmm. uh, different sports, you know, try to hit for the majority part for the for the majority part to hit, you know, different and every sport at UH. And we just finished one today with uh, former Rainbow Warrior football player, uh, Mike Lafaele, Kalihi boy, Farrington High grad, awesome. of course, played uh, at here at UH. But just a chance to uh, get to know the player, the athlete, the coach for more than just what we see on TV, for more than what you read uh, in their background, in their bio on, on the website. So it's just a chance to get to know them, have them open up a little bit and just – 
you know, as, as the title says, talk story. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. Definitely check that out. And you can ask questions there too. You can comment. Um, but uh, we got a shout out Sheldon Nagata as well at ESPN, <laughs> one of my favorite guys. And he's going to, he's always on Matt. I love that guy too. I mean, these are just uh, great guys at ESPN 1420 and passionate about sports, passionate about the fan experience. And that's what's, you know, ultimately important. But, you know, now that we look back on this, this season and, and um, the lessons learned and, through the pandemic as well. I think ultimately, um, you know, what will be kind of how, how will we contextualize the, this national championship at UH within the realm of, um, you know, maybe state history, maybe UH history. I mean, where do we put it? It's up there. Uh, I won't say as what Jim Leahy said years ago that it, that beating BYU was better than statehood. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep, we'll keep men's volleyball and football a little bit separate, just, you know, with, with the years of, of that rivalry between Hawaii and BYU and football. But when you, when you look at UH as a whole, the last NCAA title was in 87 with women's volleyball. Mm. The last team national championship uh, was in 2004 with, with co-ed sailing. It's been a long time coming. And for, as head coach Charlie Wade has said, it's been a process and, you know, they, they made the tournament in 2015, lost in the playing game, made it to the semifinal round in 2017, made the final in 19, uh, had the pandemic cut the season short in 2020. Mm -hmm. And they were able to finish the business in 21 and, and hang a national championship. And I just think for the, for the experience of what we've had and what we've seen in sports, uh, the last 12, 13, 14 months, and for a brief time, there were no sports. And now the norm has been, for the most part, of remote broadcasts, and you're not able to be there. So to have the ability to be on site and to call that match, call the two matches in the Final Four, and provide that live commentary mm -hmm. for everybody listening, not just in in the country, not just around the state, but around the world, because we, we all know that Hawaii has a very diverse and large fan base from whatever, uh, for whatever sport it is. But for volleyball, as you said, it's, that's been the sport. That's what you go, you drive around, you see all the, you see all the beach nets, you see kids playing in the parks. It's, it's, a, it's, it's very special that the adopted sport, and yes, some will say surfing is the sport of Hawaii, but it's a sport that is very passionate, that Hawaii fans love their, love their volleyball to have them win the sport, win the title in 21. It's, it's quite special. I totally agree, and I, I love that point too about Hawaii and how important the sport of volleyball is and how culturally um, this sport has been important in every in religions in schools so it's really permeated and I love that you're right it's nice to to be the winner of it all as well but um, Tiff Wells joining us tonight it's been a great uh, you know just a time going down memory lane with you I was so excited seeing you in Ohio and being hearing your call and you know being able to celebrate the proper way with an exciting call. Um, but mahalo for joining us and everybody out there. Check us out. Keep on the web on this podcast. You can listen to the show as well. The Hawaii Sports Fans channel on Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, wherever. So, um, you know, you, this is a great show. And I, I hope everybody goes back and 
goes back to remember memory lane with us because this doesn't happen very often a national championship but mahalo tiff wells for joining us anytime wayne thank you for what you do always a pleasure mahalo we'll see you all next week take care everybody aloha bye guys